This episode of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast is brought to you by Comic Bento, comicbento.com. They had already were thinking about a bigger role for me. And so, and I just kept pushing and pushing. And so there was nobody attached to it. So they just gave it to me and said, hey, you know, see what you want to do with it. It's amazing that you could just ask a question and be like, hey, what's going on with that project? And then you end up as director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much how it happened. That persistence on my side, because I just, yeah. well, I just sure. Hey, like, you paint bears, don't want to direct the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast, on Facebook at the GBB Podcast. And before we start this week, we just wanted to talk to you guys about Comic Bento, comicbento.com. There's a lot of subscription geek boxes out there, and you have a lot of choices that you can pick from. And Comic Bento is one that we really like here at the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Uh, yeah, what I like about it is um, is that you don't get you know a lot of the mainstream comics. They they make an effort um, to sort of to really include a lot of other books that you may never have heard of from you know smaller, more independent publishers. Um, so you really get a you know a, a better variety of what is out there. You know if I, w- I would say, like, if you're just sort of dipping your toes in the whole, in in the comic world, or you're just trying to, you're just starting to read graphic novels, you're just getting into them. This is a great way to sort of expand out and and um, broaden your horizons to see what's out there because they include a lot of stuff that's not your standard DC Marvel superhero fare, um, and it really does give you a taste for what some of the other books and creators and publishers are doing nowadays. And I like that. The books they include are number ones. It's a great starting, great jumping on point for a lot of these things. Um, and there's the variety. I mean, that's what it right. is. It's really cool. Well, and something that a lot of people don't, a lot of people that are getting into comics don't realize is there is a lot of uh, different titles that are not superhero. Yeah. So it's it's really nice entry point, like you said. And they have three different plans that they can choose from if they want to sign up. And uh, depending on which one you choose, you get a little better of a deal. Um, the one month plan is twenty dollars per month plus shipping and handling. Three month plan is eighteen dollars and thirty four cents a month, and the six month plan, which is the best deal, is seventeen dollars and fifty cents per month, and that gets you how many how many comics came in yours, Jamie? Yeah, four trade paperbacks, and I, I don't know if that's standard every month, but for I mean, if you do the math, um, even if you just paid ostensibly what is the most expensive, if you just do the one month plan, you're still getting a great bargain for what what came out. You know, each one of those books. Um, is almost the price of what you're going to pay for all four. And we have a special deal because you are a listener of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. We have a coupon code. Yeah, we do. We've got a promo code. Uh, if you use the the, the keyword Geek Dad when you uh, check out on their website, you get $5 off any prescri- any not prescription, subscription. You get $5 <laughs> off any subscription level. Um, and just for being a, you know, a reader of Geek Dad and listener of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast is a thank you. All right, so coming up on our show this week, I'm really excited because once again, we are talking to someone way more creative than we will ever hope to be. That's pretty much every episode, <laughs> though, isn't it? They're just I different so. pursuits, you you're, know, you're but right. they're all going to be more creative than we will ever be. Yeah, they've, are, they've hit their pinnacles. That's why we're talking to them. <laughs> basically, as creative as we are on a, a weekly basis is we just think up a dumb question to talk to them about. <laughs> That's and as try to fill the intro and outro with something. <laughs> Um, so this week we have Aaron Blaze, and before quickly before we get into it, um, he I, I was he has a YouTube channel. He's an artist, basically. <laughs> he has a lot basically. of things. Basically, if we're gonna say one thing, he's an artist. Um, but he's a lot of things, and he has a YouTube channel and th- where he does speed painting and different paintings. And I'm watching this Chewbacca one, and it's just unbelievable where it comes from to where it ends. Like when it starts, you're just like, yeah, this is just a pencil drawing of Chewbacca, you know, cool. <laughs> and then when it gets to the end of it, you're like, uh-uh, yeah. that is amazing. Now, I don't know if that speed painting one is the same 
picture, the same illustration that I saw, the same painting, mm-hmm. but the painting of Chewbacca that he has up on his gallery uh, on his site right. is unreal. Right. Because just, I mean, by every hair on Chewbacca's head and, and torso is painted. Yeah. I mean, it's not, ju- it's not, you know, some people, if they paint Chewbacca, they just kind of do like a, like a blurry schmear of brown right. and it looks like him. Yeah. This is so detailed. And no, you can see the fine well. hairs in it. Oh yeah. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamie, why don't you tell us about Aaron Blaze? Who is he? What does he Aaron, do? <laughs> Aaron um, is he, he's an artist, like you said. He uh, he he's got a background in illustration and fell into animation early in his career. Um, started off working for Disney, um, right a, basically right out of college, um, and was working at the the Florida studio when it was part of MGM. And I know we've talked to both Tony Bancroft and Tom Bancroft about that. Um, all three of them you know, um, started on the same day. They all worked on the same projects together. They were all sort of running in the same circles. So Aaron worked on the films that were getting done at that time. So he worked on you know Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Pocahontas and Mulan. Um, and he was you know animator, supervising animator on on almost all of those films. Um, and then he was co-director on Brother Bear. Um, and he worked for Disney all the way up until 2010 and, um, and he stayed in animation for a few years after that. And now what he's doing is a little bit of everything. He's illustrating and painting and doing animation and teaching. And he's got his own, um, website up now where he does tutorial videos for art students. Um, so he's sort of, you know, I think of everybody that we've talked to on this show, he really is the jack of all trades, you know, I would. He's the master of many of them. Um, he uh, he's just if you're not familiar with his name, go to his uh, site, which we will link to for this episode, and just be blown away. I mean, his art is just unreal. Right. His work, he's phenomenal. He really is, and I don't I don't throw that word around lightly. Like a lot of guys are really good. This guy's phenomenal. His yeah. art is just you know it looks 3D. <laughs> I don't know. Even yeah, how to explain like it. if you're a fan of art, like paintings, if you're a fan of animal paintings, particularly, that's sort of what he focuses on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a fan of Disney and you know the sort of 90s and early aughts films, um, you know this guy is is where it's at. He's he's the real deal. All right, so we have a great interview with him coming right up. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a real Pleasure. treat. Um, let's go back, I guess, to the beginning. Well, maybe not the very beginning, but you uh, I know you went to school for and were trained as an illustrator, not Correct. to work in animation. So right. how did you make that leap over into Disney so early in your career, too? Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I'll go back even further. When I was a kid, I grew up in a little trailer out in the Everglades, out in the swamps. And I've always just been fascinated by animals, natural history, wildlife, that sort of thing. And uh, I was a natural, uh, a National Geographic nut. And so I had stacks and stacks of them in my, off, in my uh, bedroom. And it was my dream to be an illustrator for National Geographic. And so that's why I went to Ringling and that's why I went into illustration. And then, uh, and I freelanced my way through college and I didn't want to freelance anymore. When I got I wanted a staff position so I didn't have to beat the pavement. And I found out that National Geographic only freelance. And so it kind of broke my heart. And I thought, okay, I got to find another job. And there was two companies that was that were coming to Ringling to um, uh, to interview. One was Hallmark Cards and one was Disney. Huh. And Disney happened to be first. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's exactly how it happened. And so I initially thought that because of my background in illustration and painting and, and that sort of thing, I thought maybe I'd be a background painter. And uh, I ended up getting an internship. And uh, luckily, I was teamed up with a guy named Glenn Keane. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Glenn uh, showed me the ropes. He taught me how to animate when I went out. This is during Oliver and Company back in 1988. And I got hooked. I had never, I, it never crossed my mind. I'd never seen any Disney classic films other than Robin Hood when it came out when I was really? a real small kid. Yeah, I was just, it was just something that never crossed my mind. And it wasn't until I got together with Glenn and Glenn just planted this seed in me that just exploded. And all I could think about was animation. And that was 30 years ago or 25, 20, 28 years ago. So if, um, if you had never really given much thought to animation, what led you to sort of pursue Disney 
even if, I mean, you say they were the first ones to come to school and sort of recruiting, but what led you to even think that like, oh, this could be a possibility, just that you want. It's funny. I was a 19 year old kid and I was just looking for a job. Yeah. (laughs) And it really was Disney. Lucky for me, it was the right time and the right place. And Disney had kind of tapped all of the talent um, with the the animation schools at the time. So there was Sheridan and there was CalArts and all that. And so it was the, they decided to do this experiment with their inter- internship um, where they went to um, colleges that had really good foundations in drawing and painting and, you know, good, good foundation courses. And, um, and they wanted to see if they could bring students in that had no experience animating, but knew how to draw and see if they could teach them. Yeah. And so that's, I was in that first group that did that. And, uh, there was eight of us that they picked from across the country and it was only a six week internship. And so we went from zero, not knowing anything about animation or some of us, mm-hmm. uh, there was actually a couple of Cal arts guys in there, uh, to, learning animation in six weeks. And I actually got hired at the end of the six weeks to be a, a, an, an assistant animator. Wow. How, how much was a shift? How much of a shift was that for you to sort of, you know, you were, you were so immersed in illustration and painting and then it was yeah. like a completely, <laughs> I don't want to say completely different skill set, but it is, it's a different. It's, it's it, interesting because it's completely different and it's, a, it's the same all at the same time. Yeah. And so, from a drawing standpoint, I've always had, I've always been filling sketchbooks. I've always been out drawing from life ever since I, you know, even when I was a kid, I was running around out in the woods drawing and that sort of thing. So I was able to carry that into, into the animation world. And for me, it was really just learning about, um, and I already thought spatially. And so it was really learning about motion and sequential drawing and understanding that. And it's funny, I was just talking about this with somebody today. Um, those first two weeks, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't do it. I almost quit because it was just, it was so frustrating and I just could not understand it. And then all of a sudden Glenn took me into his office and he says, no, just do this. And he was flipping drawings and we were drawing and all of a sudden a light bulb went off and I could, I could see it. It was, it literally was that quick. I just could see it. And then, then I was able to animate, you know, as a junior animator, but I was able to animate after that. Yeah. And um, and so it really is just all those skill sets that I already had uh, as a as an illustrator, drawing, painting, all that. I carried that into it, and then it was really learning about, like I said, the the, the motion, emotion, acting, mm-hmm. and uh, sequential drawing. Was there a part of you at that time um, that sort of felt? I don't want to use the word disappointed, but you know, you had invested so much of yourself into illustration and painting, and now you're like, well, now I'm completely going in someplace, you know, a totally different direction I hadn't planned on. Or was yeah. it just totally exciting at it's that point? Completely the opposite. Yeah, it was animation for me. I had no idea what animation offered, and I also play music. Um, I'm interested in acting. I and animation brings all of that. It was all of a sudden all the things that I loved from drawing and painting as the base to acting, to music, to all these different things that come, to, they all come together in animation. And it sounds cliche because everyone talks about that, but it's it, there's a truth to that. And, and it really hit home for me when I started directing. And because then I was actually involved in every single one of those aspects yeah. directly. And, um, and it, so it's just, it was like this explosion of, of expression and storytelling that you're able to do. So you began your career at MGM Studios in Florida, and a lot of people have this conception that MGM Studios was just a gimmick, part of the theme park experience. So what was it like working Mm -hmm. there? Did it feel like that? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of of people thought that. No, that was a real working studio. And it was a studio just like any other studio, except we had moving wallpaper. (laughs) We had had people on the other side of the glass that were watching us, and we had some pretty funny experiences, you know, with that. But... um, uh, but from a studio standpoint, it was, you know, we, we originally started that studio. It was meant to be an attraction, but it was always meant to be, you know, real animators there. So we, we were supposed to do Mickey, Donald and Goofy, uh, featurettes, 20 minute cartoons that we would, that would be our job. And that's, you know, that's how we got hired. And we never did one. Matter of fact, I think I've, I've in my career, I was 21 years at Disney. I think I drew Mickey about three or four times. That was, <laughs> and um, we ended up doing a Roger Rabbit short as our first 
job that we did. Uh, it was called uh, Roller Coaster Rabbit. Yeah. And it was a six minute short that went out in front of Dick Tracy back in 1989 or 90. And then, um, and then the the studio in California, they were doing the features, and they had they they were finishing up Little Mermaid, and they needed some help painting, and so we had an ink and paint department, so they helped out there. And then then we went on they went on to Rescuers Down Under and realized that hey, there's a whole studio there. We just finished Roller Coaster Rabbit, and the quality was pretty good. So they thought, okay, maybe we can use these guys to help us hit our quotas and and get out of the hole. And so. We did, and that was the first feature. And then from that point on, we worked on every feature that came through. Yeah, we've um, we had both Tom and Tony Bancroft on the show, and they I know both worked with you down there in Florida. We started on the same day together. Yeah, seventeenth. I know it's funny. You all, you, all three of you have talked about the roller coaster rabbit, and I was like, it feels yeah. like this was like an all star lineup working on that show. That short. <laughs> yeah, it was directed by Rob Minkoff, who directed Lion King. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, both of them said this and I've heard this said by other people and I've read it that, you know, the, the people who they describe the Florida studio right. as sort of a big family, more yeah. so than at any other studio, even more so than at Disney in, in, in uh, yes. California. Absolutely. Do you think is that and I know you're you're a little bit removed from the industry today, but is that something right. that's like missing or is that still, you know, is that still there in some of the smaller studios? It's there if they want to make it there. Um, and I know that sounds weird, but it really does take nurturing from a management standpoint. And so we, when we started, we all start, we were all young. We were fresh out of school. We were in, you know, I was 21 years old when I got my job uh, at the studio. I was 20 when I did my internship. So we were all very young. And we all got married at the same time and we're all having kids and we all were making these big blockbuster movies. And so um, there is something and this and it was an open studio as well. There, you know, there was a few people that had offices, but the rest of us, we sat out on the floor together. Yeah. And so you can't go through all of that without bonding in a real special way. And so a lot of other studios don't they didn't have those. They don't have those ingredients. There's a lot of different generational ages. There's a lot of different you know, people spread out. And so we just had these, this certain number of ingredients that just clicked. And the, and the beauty of that is that it, you know, that studio was, was functioning for 15 years mm -hmm. and that atmosphere survived through those 15 years. And so, and it's true when I went, you know, after the studio shut down, I stayed with Disney for another six years and I transferred out to California and, you know, that's a great studio, nothing to take away from it, but the family atmosphere um, that we experienced in Florida was missing, yeah. just straight up. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic studio, but there at the time that I was there, it was um, it just it it didn't feel the same to me. Yeah, and uh, and so I ended up leaving not because of that, but I ended up leaving uh, about six years after I transferred back in 2010, and we started a, uh, I, I started working for Digital Domain in Florida, and I was heading up the studio along with several other people, and we deliberately went into this saying, hey, we want to build a studio that has that same feel, that same family atmosphere. And it was interesting because we were hiring young people in the same way. We set up a, 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 a an open floor plan like we had. And um, I actually bought a house that was big enough to hold a crew of people so we could have parties and <laughs> and and it really worked. I mean, we had we the studio unfortunately only survived three years, and then they they went bankrupt. But while during that three years, we we built a family studio. It was fantastic. It was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, it's not. I mean, it's that's something that you hear a lot of people now sort of talking about nostalgically. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. when when I worked at this studio, it was we were a big family, and you don't really hear many people talking about it now. You know, like we, right. we've talked to people at DreamWorks. I've been to the DreamWorks Animation, the campus, and it's a gorgeous campus, yeah. you know, beautiful, but I haven't heard anybody really talk about it like it's a big family, you know, and the same thing with Disney Animation and, right. and Pixar, but I mean, like, they've well, got the these huge campuses that are beautiful to look at, but nobody talks about it like... Well, the nature of the business is different now too, from a production standpoint, because there's a lot of there's a lot of rollover of personnel. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when when our studio was growing back in you know, animation was exploding during the '90s, and so the, you know, Disney didn't want to lose anybody, and so we 
we worked with each other, I mean, from one movie to the next. I mean, and we were doing Beauty and the Beast, and then we went on to Aladdin, then we went on to Lion King and Pocahontas, and, you know, all the, you know, we were doing blockbuster after blockbuster, and it was the same crew of people from film to film. And so it was just, in that time, there wasn't any turnover, and there wasn't, yeah. you know, we we stuck together. And so that was a big part of it. Hmm. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Sure. Wait, You've gone th- in your career, you've done a lot of uh, character development and just curious sort of a, from taking looking at it from the big picture, when you're developing a new character, at, speaking in averages here, like how long does it really take to arrive at that final design and how many versions do you ultimately go through? You know, it really depends. That's, you know, it, it's it depends. Yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you what's involved. I mean, first of all, you know, you need a character that I think is well written. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's funny you bring this up because I'm actually in the middle right now of creating a character design course. And, oh, and, okay. and it's everything that I think about when I'm when I'm designing characters. And so the first thing, the first couple of videos I have is just talking about, you know, what to do before you draw. And so there's a ton of research that we do. Um, uh, all the way from obviously getting into the script if you're if you're doing something for a film and understanding the character inside and out, and then just doing research under you know if if especially if, take for instance for brother I'm going to talk about brother bear because I directed brother bear but mm-hmm. you know when we were designing those characters those characters culture those characters culturally culturally were very specific and so there was a lot of um, cultural research that I encourage the animators to do and and understand because that's going to go into the acting and all of that. Um, and ethnic, you know, there's a lot of ethnic traits that I wanted them to understand. And so there's, it's just a ton of research. Do your research. You yeah. want the knowledge. And then, and then from there, it's really, um, you know, if, if you're working for a film, get together with the art director, understand the art direction of the film. Um, you need to know you want your character to blend in with the look of the film. And that's a that's a that's something that a lot of people don't realize. There's a lot of young people that I see nowadays that want to be character designers or they want to be visual development artists because their impression is that they can go and they can draw and paint all day long and to their heart's content and everything's great. But the the reality of it is, is that, you know, that's some of the hardest work to do on a film because you have to establish a style and you have to be able to adjust from style to style from film to film and uh and so that takes a lot of that takes a lot of pushing but um and then from there it's just it's really finding shape language it's finding um personality and it's getting together with the directors or if you're doing it for yourself um just doing version after version and and, it, and once again, from an arti- from the artist standpoint on the other side, it really depends on how, I think it depends on how good your directors are on, in, in giving the direction that you're going to need as a designer at that point. Um, I've had directors that really didn't know what they wanted, and so we did a lot of back and forth as we searched uh, so they could see what they didn't want until, yeah. we, you know, until we finally hit what they want. And then I've also... Um, had directors where they knew right off the bat what they wanted and we were able to do it in about three passes and it was done. So I've, I've spent, uh, you know, three weeks designing a whole cast of characters and I've also spent three months designing one character. So it just really depends. You mentioned um, Brother Bear. So let's circle back to that for a second. Um, sure. When did you get attached to the, to the project? I mean, was so, it already in development? It was. So what happened was after Lion King was so successful, Michael Eisner decided we needed to do another big animal movie. And um, and he wanted it, you know, Lion King had Shakespeare, was based on Shakespeare. And so he wanted another Shakespeare-based lion or uh, uh, animal film. And he thought a big North American story would be, would be great mm-hmm. and based on King Lear. Okay. And... Uh, and so we were off making our other movies after Lion King. It was uh, during Mulan and brother, it was just called Bears at the time. And Bears went, went into development. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and then it just kind of went stagnant. They had some writers on it and it really didn't go anywhere and it ended up sitting on the shelf. And so we, after we finished Mulan or when we were finishing Mulan, um, we did a big, we used to do these annual 
kind of video conferences where they, we had a studio in Paris, a studio in, in LA and, and our Orlando studio. And we would all get together and talk and talk about the state of the company and all that. And we'd talk about the different films being made and what's in development. And so I had just gotten back from Alaska because I, I go off and do these big trips on my own, you know, on vacation and stuff. And, yeah. and I'm a big, once again, still, you know, this animal guy. And I just got back from Alaska, just finished a giant oil painting of this big grizzly bear. And I found out that there is this film called bears in development. So I contacted the, the head of the studio and I was really interested and, and I had, I had done really well on Mulan and they were, I think they had already were thinking about a bigger role for me. And so, and I just kept pushing and pushing. And so there was nobody attached to it. So they just gave it to me and said, Hey, you know, just what, see what you want to do with it. And so <laughs> at the time that they gave it to me, it was, it was being treated like, like Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood, where it was, you know, anthropomorphic bears right. running into their cave and slamming the door and, you know, <laughs> stuff. And and I wanted to do something more naturalistic. And then that's when they asked me if I was interested in directing. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And, um, and we just, once again, started doing our research. And I've always been a big, um, I've always loved Native American myth and lore and legends and all that kind of stuff. And so... We really went deep into that. And then from out of that, we kind of created our own Native American myth. And that's yeah. where that's where it was born. It, it's amazing that you could just ask a question and be like, hey, what's going on with that project? And then you end up as director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much how it happened. That persistence on my side, because I just... Yeah. Well, I just sure. Hey, you paint bears. Don't want to direct the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Six years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brother Bear was the last of the three animated features to be pr primarily produced in Florida. Was Florida right. Studio the last best hope for traditional animated features at Disney? It, yeah, I think it I pretty much was. I mean, Brother Bear, uh, and then there was Disney, the, the studio in California, they were doing Home on the Range, mm -hmm. I think was their last film. And originally, I think they were supposed to go out ahead of us, and then we flopped. And so then we went, and then Home on the Range came out. Yeah, and then we that was it. Those were the last ones. And then everything else was was all CG. And uh, and I think at one time we thought, you know, we'd be able to develop something. And it was I mean, the the, the coffin hadn't been nailed shut yet. And um, and so we still had a project in development called My Peoples um, at I, I can't remember if that was the final working title or not, but it was being directed by Barry Cook. Mm -hmm. And um uh, who was one of the co-directors of Mulan. And so he, that was going to be the project after Brother Bear. And um, and it was cranking right along. And that was going to be CG and hand-drawn. It was going to be a mix. And uh, and then it stalled out and, and got canceled. And then the studio shut down. So yeah, that was pretty much, that was it. Was I mean, This was when you were working on Brother Bear. I mean, you just kind of mentioned it. It was at that time when it was, everything was sort of shifting over to CG. And it was at that you know, that yeah. border between we're doing both at this point. Right. Um, was the tension between the two formats? I mean, could you feel it at that time? You know, it's funny. I, there was never any tension. Um, there may have been with some people, but uh, I didn't see it. And I didn't see it among my immediate friends and coworkers. Um, there was, you know, traditional animators, you know, part of our group that, they had to switch over and start learning. Yeah. And some of the guys that there are some guys that struggled with the technology and there was tension there, but there was never really kind of an us and them attitude. We always loved what Pixar did. Um, we were always very excited with what Pixar did. I remember, you know, I remember those, that first, the first time we saw dailies that came through on toy story, yeah. you know, back in 1993 or four is when we started seeing dailies for it and it blew our minds. And we just mm -hmm. thought, and we just thought it was amazing. And so I think there was always, there was always, ex uh, you know, mutual excitement on either side with, with the mediums, whether it's hand-drawn or, or CG. And we, and, and, you know, none of us really thought that hand-drawn was going to go away. We, yeah. we didn't think that far ahead. So, you know, there wasn't, there just wasn't any reason to be tense. Yeah. It wasn't like, you didn't feel threatened by the right. new technology. No, it was exactly. just, it was just another toy to play with. Right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't until, you know, a couple of years later when Disney finally made the announcement that there was no more 2D being done anywhere in the company. And then that's 
that's where it really hit home for me. And I, at that point, I was already developing a CG film, but it really just kind of was like, I was like, wow, you know, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. A little, a little eye opening. Yeah. Um, I actually rewatched Brother Bear yesterday uh, in advance of this talking to you, and I was just I was floored at just how stunning the animation is. I mean, it's oh, it's, it's just breathtaking. That's I mean, a, that's a that's a testament to the crew that that those animators, you know, those I I still think that we, from a traditional animation standpoint, we were one of the best, if not the best, studio in in the world at, at that point because those some of those guys they just. They just blow my mind at how talented they are. They were great. Yeah, I mean, it was it really was breathtaking. I mean, from all the way from just you know small character quirks all the way up to the huge landscapes, and it was just yeah, I couldn't get over it. I mean, I was unfortunately I was just watching it on my iPad, but you know yeah. so that that's good oh, for seeing you. the details, but it's yeah. it's not as good as having it blown up on a huge screen. Um, but I also know that parts of that film are were done digitally. I mean, how much of that film was digital in some way? Well, from an anim- a character animation standpoint, the only digital, uh, we had a, a caribou stampede that came down and the caribou were digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, the moose, believe it or not, the, the moose were hand-drawn, but their antlers were modeled and they would position the antlers on the key drawings. Really? And then... And then they would draw over those posed, modeled antlers, and then and draw them by hand, and then hand break them down and in between them. So, it, so it's because the, the the shapes were so complex, it was just yeah. it was it was almost impossible to do it just out of your head. So, yeah, it was interesting. They could take you know they had these Maya models of the antlers, and they could just place them on the scanned on a scanned image, and then they would redraw it. And so it worked out great. And then, you know, we had stuff like uh, there is some stuff at the Salmon Run where, uh, you know, Kenai is sliding down on like this log flume kind of thing that we mm-hmm. see in there. We had, you know, it, it just various places here and there. There's, you know, the 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 Northern Lights that was yeah. a CG and 2D mix with the animals being 2D and we kind of melded it all together. And so... Mm-hmm. That was that was it was I thought it was a good kind of mix of it all. Yeah, it's it's uh, I guess unobtrusive would be the word. Like there are scenes yeah. when, you know, watching it now, you can think and you'd be like, oh, OK, they probably didn't do that by hand then. Um, right. But, you know, it's not obvious to an extent right. that it, it like pulls you out of the movie. I mean, it was yeah. just really well done. And even the backgrounds, uh, there was a good mix of digitally painted backgrounds um, but also, you know, traditional on illustration board, acrylic, mm. you know, big chunky style, you know, yeah. backgrounds, you know, the backgrounds, the style, the look of the film was all based on a guy named JG, who was one of our background painters. He's a Chinese painter that had this, has this beautiful, beautiful, very impressionistic, chunky style. And so we said, he had an art show at the, at the studio one day. And we said, Jay, we want the movie to look like your paintings. So you got to teach everybody how to paint like you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a big that was a big hurdle. But um, yeah. the the background department they pulled together and they did a great job. Oh yeah, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, there's so many of those scenes. Like when the, you, know, you get the big landscape scenes, and it's just I, yeah. I just wanted to pause it and just kind of like stare at it. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, That's we wanted we purposely. You know, we wanted a sense of we wanted the viewer to feel like they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to Alaska, it's such a big place. Um, and it's hard to get that across. And so we just wanted to, we wanted to do, you know, big landscapes as much as we could. Sure. Yeah. I know Brother Bear was a huge part of your career and, you know, seeing again just yesterday how beautiful the animation is in that film. Do you ever get frustrated that fans, you know, sort of, they, they don't usually put the film in their top 10 or, you know, when they look back at the best films? You know what? I can look at Brother Bear, you know, with, I can look at it normally, you know, I, I look back on it and it, to me, it's like any other piece of art that I did that, you know, from a directing standpoint, I look back on it and this, there's beautiful animation that there's beautiful backgrounds. Um, there's really poorly directed dialogue in there. There's, mm. you know, there's dialogue that's written on the nose there. You know, there's a lot of things that I look back and I cringe and I go, Oh, you know what? I know better now. Yeah. You know, I wish I, I wish, you know, I wish I can 
go back and change this or change that. So, um, no, I totally get it. I mean, there's a lot of people that love it and there's a and, and, and there's a lot of critics out there that don't like it for this reason or that reason, or they, or they, you know, they have some kind of criticism about it. Mm-hmm. And by and large, I agree with everybody, you yeah. know, it's, I get it. I totally get it. So it's, uh, you know, it's like anything else. You, you you finish one thing and you go on to the next and hopefully you do better. You learn from the last piece and you, know, you have to, you have to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, you work mostly digital now? I, you know what? I jump all over the place. My career okay. is so different now. Um, I just, I made a conscious effort about four years ago when the last studio I was working for, when they went bankrupt, I decided, you know, what? I'm going to be done with the studios for a while and just kind of define my own path. And so I sat there trying to decide what I was going to do. And I realized I had 25 years of art, you know, experience that I could, I could impart with the rest of the world. And I, I have social media and I've got, you know, this experience and I can, I, you know, I think maybe I can put these together and create a new career path for myself. And so what that's enabled me to do is what I've done over the last three years is I've been able to create a following uh, through social media. Um, well, I'll back up even further. What I, the, the other thing I wanted to do is um, one thing that's really bugged me, uh, especially in the last 10 years, is how expensive art school has gotten. Mm. It's ridiculously expensive. It's obscenely expensive. And not that I could, have, not that I ever picture myself as a substitute for art school, but there's a lot of kids out there that can't afford it. They need some kind of art education, something to subsidize what they're doing. And so my business partner and I, Nick Birch, he and I decided, you know, as part of our mission statement, let's let's create art lessons, let's create courses that anybody can afford, and we'll go for a worldwide audience. That way, we can actually make a living doing it, and everybody benefits. And so. One of the great things, I know this is a long answer, but so the answer to your question is what this enables me to do is I can teach, I can teach traditional art because I'm a, I'm an illustrator. I teach animation. I teach digital art. The beauty of what I'm doing now for me creatively is that today I'm going to, I'm going to design characters today, blah, 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 blah. I'll go off and design characters tomorrow. I'm going to go off and I'm going to do a giant charcoal drawing and I'll go and do that. And the next day I'm going to go do an oil painting and I'm going to teach someone how to do that. So I kind of jump all over the place now. Um, well, I more questions along the, that line, but I want to ask you something. Sure. You talked about, you know, subsidizing the, the art education that some students, a lot of students can't afford. Right. Um, with the prevalence of the internet, you know, I sound like an old person saying that, but right. you know, with, with, with everything with young people, ev- not young people, God, I sound old, um, <laughs> with everybody being able to just put their creative pursuits online so easily. Right. Um, do you think that within a generation, maybe sooner, like that's that model of you need to have gone to art school to get that formal education do you think that that's not going to be as highly valued as it will be? Because because you can just get your education sort of from all I, these different outlets. It's funny. I think we're actually starting to hit that now. Yeah. There is so much information out there, educational information from top-notch people mm-hmm. that's available now, whether it's Glenn Vilpu teaching you know, anatomy or James ba- or somebody teaching, you know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge to be had from top in the business people mm-hmm. um, that it's arguable that you might get a better education working online than what you would get at college. Now, what you're not going to get um, is the one-on-one or the, the uh, you know, the working side by side. And that's the one thing that, you know, I could never substitute and I think is I think it's absolutely important was you know working with other students and being jazzed by what somebody else is doing and talking about it and you know just interacting with people. You know, my biggest regret about what I do now, I love from a creative standpoint, I'm happier than I've ever been, even even when I was at Disney. But I I work in an off I work in my home office all day long by myself and I don't see anybody else. Yeah. And so my interaction is either through the, you know, what we're doing now or, you know, making an effort and, 
you know, going off to fly, flying to see somebody or something. Yeah. So I don't have, I don't have that camaraderie that we used to have at the studio. And so I think that's from an education standpoint, I think that's incredibly important because I think you learn faster, but from a quality of education, from what, you know, from quality information, I think some of the best stuff you can get is, is available on the internet. From your own perspective and based on your own experiences, I mean, if you, if you were to think like, well, if I, if I were, you know, 21 years ago, 21 years old now, right? would you think that you would have been able to make that jump from, you know, illustration to animation without having, you know, Glenn Keane right there at your side to holding your hand through the process? You know what? It's, I don't know. And it's interesting too, because it's such a, it's hard for me to put myself in that position because it's such a different world. Yeah. Um, so many 3D animators I know don't draw. And I still have a hard time, and they're great animators, so don't get me wrong, but I still have a hard time mentally making that leap to doing animation without the ability to draw. And so it's, it's, a, it's to me, it's apples and oranges. I don't quite, I don't know if I could do it. Um, I think if in this world now, I would probably, I would, I'd be working digitally, but I don't know if I would be animating uh, I don't know that I could I could animate that way. I still don't know how to animate uh, CG, but you know I can tell people what I what I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it's interesting too because when I had a crew, I would go off and animate something by by hand traditionally, and then I would go back and say this is the kind of movement that I'm talking about, and I'd work, you know, and we'd use that for modeling and animation and everything else. So it was kind of a fun blending, but yeah, I don't. I, it's it's hard for me to to see if I'd be able to make that leap or not. Yeah. Was the shift when you first sort of dealt, jumped into the whole digital realm, was that shift from brushes and paints difficult, you know, to picking up a mouse or a, you know, a it stylus? Was difficult. It was difficult just from a technology standpoint, just, just to understand the technology. Um, once I understood uh, how Photoshop worked and how I could paint in it, what was interesting about it, and I, this is actually one of the things that I do when I teach Photoshop, is Photoshop is so robust and big and, you know, there's so many hundreds of ways to do any one thing. And so it was very friendly to me as far as bringing my traditional thinking and the way that I draw and paint and building up work. I could do that once I understood that I was able to do that digitally as well, but also have that some of these other bells and whistles that made things easier, then all of a sudden it clicked and, and it just kind of took off. Yeah. And so now it's, it's interesting because I mix the two together now. So I'll go off and, you know, let's say I'm getting ready to do a giant oil painting. I'll sit down and do it all digitally first and figure out all my color issues and play with it and move things around. And then once I like it, there's, there's my comp and it's done. Then I go off and paint it. So that's your preferred process now. That's my preferred process now. Yeah, huh. I love it. So something that you mentioned, um, you know, you you've, you mentioned the tutorials and the videos that you make, and it's over on your site, uh, Creature Art Teacher. Correct. Um, you sort of you've established yourself as this go-to resource for these tutorials and for 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 art students. Has teaching did, did that just sort of come about because, like you were saying, like you know, you just got fed up with how expensive it had become or was teaching always something that you think you know you always thought like I've got so much to teach and I just I, I need to be able to get it out yeah I've always well I've always uh, I've always liked to teach I've always just had an affinity for it I like mm -hmm. I like doing it and I like sharing knowledge and experiences and you know the guys that you know want to hold all these secrets and they really annoy me and <laughs> I just think you know it's it's there to be shared and I learned that from Glenn Keane Glenn Keane is the kindest, gentlest, best artist, teacher. I can't speak enough great things about the guy. And he gave me chances that I didn't deserve. He gave me scenes that were way above my skill level and he worked me through. I mean, he was just, yeah. I learned so much from him, not just from an artistic standpoint, from, but from a nurturing teaching standpoint. And, um, and so I wanted to kind of pass that on. I wanted to pay it forward. And so that I, and I really consciously thought that literally I want to pay that, that forward mm -hmm. and with the internet it gives you a platform to pay it forward in a huge huge way and um and so i one of the first things i did was i, I started talking to some other friends that 
had gone gone independent and when you know they all started their youtube channels and started doing these videos and that was the first thing i did they said hey man before you start selling stuff and all that just start giving stuff away give give your knowledge away start and so that's where the whole aaron's art tips on youtube came from and 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 quite frankly it worked i mean I, i started doing that and just started sharing my little tips here and there and and it developed a following and you know when people when people enjoy what you're doing, all of a sudden you get loyalty. Exactly. You know? And then, you know, our other thing is we want to make sure that, you know, I sound like I'm trying to sell something, but we we really wanted to give high quality stuff, high quality information, you know, give people more than what they're paying for. And um, and so that's always been our, our mission and and people will come back. And, and as long as we can go on a worldwide scale, then everybody's happy. And so that's how it's been working. And you've been getting a good response? Oh, huge. Awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been huge. Awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're very happy and it keeps growing. It's growing every day. Every day is bigger than the last day. Awesome. From, from a, you know, from a following standpoint, it just nice. keeps growing. It's growing kind of exponentially. It's, it's the, best you, that's the most you can ask for, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so it's great, you know? Yeah. So you worked on character design for the live action jungle book. Not this one. Okay. For Warner for Warner Brothers. Ah. Okay. Have you have you seen this one? I have seen it, and the whole time I was watching it, I was my toes my toes were curling, and <laughs> I loved I love 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 the movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I haven't had a chance. Not yet. yet. I love the movie and the 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 animal and everything about it is just it's it's just candy to watch. It's just absolutely it's sugar and fat and everything great. you know it's just it's a great film it's a it's a story it's a great story well told um and all of the all of the cg the design everything enhances the storytelling and so i just i really wish i could have worked on it yeah. i really do i mean i i loved what i did for the warner brothers one too but you know those guys have a tall, tall, tall task to uh, to hit this one. Because and the other thing too, I thought Disney did really well is that they it wasn't it wasn't the anim, you know the the original animated version just retold in live action. They they mixed right. the original Rudyard Kipling stories. They kind of mixed that in with Disney's version and came up with a new version, which was which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. What what are your thoughts about this trend toward all these live action remakes? I, well, you know what, it's, as long as they make it unique, like, yeah. you know, my, the example of you know, Jungle Book, as long as it's, you're not just rehashing something that's already been told and you're just telling it in a new medium because that you think that's the hot ticket right now, which is CG, you know, to me, you're, they're setting yourself up to fail, yeah. but you know, they're doing Beauty and the Beast right now. And you know what? I, it, it might be great. I mean, I, it, it's stories, got a good cast. <laughs> it's got a great cast. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can think of any number of stories that have told, been told over and over and over again. As long as you can find something new each time, then, you know, then it's worth telling. Yeah. Um, so I think Disney's I th- and I think they, they you know, they, they, they know that. And so they're setting themselves. They're not going to fail. They just they don't they won't. They're yeah, just not- I, I was I, ne- I remember when they only had had, I think, maybe Maleficent and whatever the second one was. I don't know if it was Cinderella or not, but yeah. they had only done one or two of the live action remakes. And then they announced the slate that they had had in production. And it was like seven or eight different movies. Yeah. And I remember thinking then like, oh, really? Like, this is not what anybody's asking for. But with each one. I think we've been pleasantly surprised at where they've been going and what they've been doing. And I, right. you know, like the, well, the other thing too, is they wouldn't be making them unless people were going to see them. Exactly. Right. I mean, so they're making money, but you know, yeah, Jamie, exactly. we haven't seen Dumbo yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Tim Burton Dumbo, which yeah. I don't think is really happening. <laughs> which would be awesome. It would be awesome. But I think that might be the nail in the coffin for their uh, live action remake <laughs> department. <laughs> um, You've talked about this a little bit, and I mean, you've professionally you've sort of refocused your work recently on illustration rather than animation. Right? Does that give you more satisfaction, or is that just what is available to you right now? It's you know what for me. I just need to get. I just need to express myself artistically. I don't care if I'm. You know, a lot of times I just need to get something out 
out yeah. off my brain and I'll, you know, I'll sit and sit at my Cintiq and, and draw digitally because it's instant, 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 you know, gratification. I can paint and draw really fast and I just got to get it out, you know, out, out of my system. But I'm still, you know, I'm still animating. Matter of fact, we're going to, uh, we're getting ready to, uh, in the second half of the year, we're going to be doing an animated short, uh, myself and my business partner. So we're, you know, that's going to take probably about nine months to do. So I still, once again, I'll go back to, you know, just for creatively how satisfied I am, I can do whatever I want to do at any given day, you know, so that's, that's just a lot of fun. If I want to go illustrate, I'll go illustrate. If I want to animate, I'll sit down and animate for a day. I'll just, I'll come up with a shot in my head and I'll animate it. And I'll, I was like, okay, good. I got that on my system. Yeah. So you're well known. Um, for your illustrations of animals, uh, and you, mm-hmm. you, you said you know you've just been in love with the animals since you were yeah. a kid, just scribbling them in the backyard. Yeah. And a lot of you, I mean, some of your illustrations are just so incredibly lifelike, and others they're just so incredibly full of character. And the range right. you show is really impressive. Thanks. But are there any animals that you just you have not been able to get? You know, you just can't draw them to your own satisfaction. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I know it sounds weird and it sounds arrogant, but no, I mean, it's one of the great things that animation gives you and having been doing it for as long as I've been doing it is that repetition and drawing over and over and understanding space and, and form and that sort of thing. And then if I wasn't an artist, I'd be a biologist. And so I, when I'm when I go and work out in the morning, I'm watching Frozen Planet or I'm watching, you know, Life by David Attenborough, and I'm you know it's always nature programs and I I, I you know anytime I can I'm out in the out in the wilds and you know doing whatever I can do. So I've got a I've got this spiritual kind of connection to nature that I I really love, and so I just kind of you know sometimes there's other there's there are animals that are tougher, but once I understand the form and kind of understand that, that personality, then once it, it's like anything else, it's like when you do enough research, once you understand it, then it, um, then it just kind of, it yeah. just comes out of my hands and you know, it's, they're not always pretty at first, but yeah. you know, with enough repetition over the top of it, which animation gave me, then it just, it evolves and it turns into eventually into something I like. Yeah. Are there any animals you haven't tried? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot. And uh, I have the kind of this unspoken rule for myself that at least from, you know, like finished paintings and that sort of thing, I don't I don't do them uh, of, of certain animals unless I've seen them um, in person. Mm-hmm. And so and that includes in the wild, if possible. Right. So I do a lot of travel. I've gone to Africa a few times. I've gone to South America, Nepal, Thailand, India, uh, Canada, Alaska, you know, Japan, and, um, uh, and always going after animals and, you know, trying to see them in their natural habitat, habitat, seeing how they act normally, you know, and, and, uh, so there's a lot of places I haven't been to. So, you know, <laughs> that gives me an excuse to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. This is something that we, sort of organically have started to ask most of our guests, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts, uh, especially considering the uncertainty of the industry right now. Um, I guess the animation industry is what I'm asking about and the experiences you had with both Disney and the other studios there in Florida you went to later right. and how both of those ended up ultimately. Right. Um, would you still recommend art and or animation to somebody who's just starting out? Yes, I absolutely would because I, uh, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think animation is as strong as it's ever been, mm-hmm. um, but it's just different. Yeah. And so what a lot of students are doing, which I think is great, depending, I, I think it depends on the school they're coming out of, but a lot of them are coming out way more educated than I ever was. And they're coming out as generalists. They can, they can do modeling, they can do rigging, they can do, you know, whatever. And, and they can animate, they can, you know, and I think that's fantastic. Um, if you're talking about wanting, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, I have an opportunity to go off and, and you know, get a degree in hand-drawn animation. Is there work for me out there? And that's where I get, you know, I get a little nervous for them because, you know, I think they they have these dreams of, 
what we were doing back in the 90s. Yeah. And that's just simply not being done anymore. Now, there's there's stuff being done in Europe. Um, there's, you know, you got Song of the Sea that was just nominated mm-hmm. for an Academy Award, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are small films done by small studios. And uh, and they're, they're hard to get done because, you know, they have to raise every dime that they – that they use making those films. It's not, you know, like it was back in the day when we were doing it. So I would recommend, you know, any student wanting to get into animation to educate yourself in the process as much as you can. And, you know, from a technical standpoint, do as much as you can, you know, and it just helps you down the road too. If you want to be an animator, great, be an animator, but also understand rigging, understand modeling, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to help you once you get a studio job you know, working with, you know, other people that are part of that assembly line of making a film. Yeah. So your IMBD page lists a few projects as upcoming. What can you tell us about Art Story? So Art Story was a film that we, when, when Digital Domain went under, there was a project that we had developed along with Tembo, which was the film that we were making. Mm-hmm. And so Art Story we thought, okay, we can develop this. We're going to try to relaunch the studio. And uh, so we started doing that. And this, and it turned out we weren't going to be able to relaunch the studio. So then we decided, let's do a Kickstarter. So we did Kickstarter. And we raised uh, $365,000 to get like a, a, a package together mm-hmm. and get it to where we could pitch it. And there was a lot of rewards and everything that we need to get done for all of that for everybody that helped us out. And... Our downfall with that is that and it's, we still got it, so I'm, I shouldn't say downfall, but our downfall at the time was we thought once we can get it out there, once we get this package together and I can get it out to these other studios to pitch it to the studios, they'll see what a cool story it is and they'll want to make it. And the, the idea of art story, it's a, it's a story of a, a grandfather and his grandson, and they the grandfather, they're the last in the line of the Da Vinci's, and the, the grandfather has this ability to step through the frame to actually go into the painted world. And it's this story of them kind of getting lost in that world and they're going from painting to painting. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not really, a, it's not a movie about paintings as much as it's, you know, paintings are the vehicle to tell the story of this grandfather and the grandson who don't get along. And it's through the course of their journey that they come out the other side. But in the process, you're walking through Picasso's and Monet's and Degas and Van Gogh's and it's kind of fun. Uh, so, what was interesting was, uh, and it was a big eye opener for me, is that we went out, we pitched it to, we pitched it to Warner Brothers, we pitched it to DreamWorks, pitched it to Sony, we pitched it, um, gosh, we pitched it all over, mm-hmm. and, um, and the the two responses we got, one one was, oh, we've already got a project like that in development, or before we could even get the pitch out, they said, oh, it's oh, it's about paintings and art museums. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's too highbrow, you know? And I was like, well, let me pitch it. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And so all of a sudden we found that we weren't getting, we didn't get that response that we were, that we were hoping for. And so um, over the last year or so, it's kind of stalled out. And so what I've been doing over the last year is I'm actually refunding, we've refunded over $230,000 of that oh, initial, no. initial raise. And well, I still want to keep it going. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to do it on other people's money. You know, sure. I just I, there's just something about that that feels yucky to me. Yeah. And so we're fulfilling the rewards. It's it's taken us much longer than we anticipated to do, get that done. But we're getting the rewards done, and we're 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 also refunding. But we're also trying to keep it alive. And um, where there's actually a uh, there might be a, a VR opportunity for it, to where you actually take the viewer into the painted world with these characters. Um, and I'm working with somebody that or talking with somebody that might have that ability to develop something like that. So we're keeping it warm. It's just not moving in the, uh, in the direction or at the pace that we were hoping when yeah. we first started it. That VR, op- um, tr- direction though, sounds really cool. It does. <laughs> and that, and I think it, I think that could be absolutely amazing. And so the more I think about it, this is, this came up in the last couple of months. The more I think about it, the more uh, the more excited I get about it. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, it's and it seems to be having a moment right now too. There's a lot of games coming out, and there's yeah. a lot of uh, films that are being made specifically for that. So yeah, um, but to literally, you know, step into a Monet or Picasso, yeah, that'd be a wild adventures, or or you know, a Dali in some kind of surrealistic world. You know, could be. I think it could be pretty amazing. That would be wild. Yeah. Um, so one of the other projects, um, and I hate that I had to go to IMDb. It's like I feel like it's going to Wikipedia to learn about somebody. But, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, it's it says Untitled Disney Animation Project 2020. Yeah, I don't know why that's there. IMDb <laughs> is really weird. When you when you uh, when you brought that up earlier, I, I, there, I, I think there's like two or three projects on there that I'm just not associated with, and I have no idea why they're there. Um, Art Story was there. Tembo should be on there. That was a project yeah, that I was. I was directing when I was at Digital Domain, which is another one that I'm, you know, when that studio went bankrupt, they, uh, there was a Chinese company that had invested money and they bought the, the movie out of bankruptcy and they have it over there. And so we're still trying to get that back at some point if we can and continue it on with the studio, if, if it's possible. Um, and then there was a the film that I was doing called King of the Elves uh, with Disney before I left Disney. And um, and I developed that for about three years before uh, I ended up leaving. So there's nothing for 2020. <laughs> there is nothing for 2020. That's no. so funny. <laughs> Unless Disney's got never something. Never. There might be something that we haven't figured out yet. But maybe it's, Bob Iger has put it in. He's like, I'm going to get him to do it. Well, maybe it's just like Brother Bear. Maybe they're just waiting for you to ask and they're just going to give it to you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> so... In addition to everything else that you've got going on, you've got, you know, you've got your teaching and your tutorials, you've got yeah. the, the different projects in various stages of development, your own painting. Yeah. Is there anything else that you've got coming up that you've got working on that, you know, that we haven't talked about? No. And if there was, <laughs> trust me, I am so at my limit right now. It's, uh, I love it. I love it. But yeah, it's, right. it's a 24 it's 7, you know. Sounds it endeavor and uh you know there's you know like i said we've got this short that we're going to be starting and and um and we've just got we've got a ton more courses that we have just kind of sitting on the shelf waiting to be made you know we're going to be doing courses in in storyboarding courses and layout courses and editing you know this short that we're going to do we're going to record the entire process from concept to you know story meetings storyboarding we're going to wow. do sound. We're going to do post-production. We're going to, you know, we're going to, that whole process of creating a short, we're going to turn into a, uh, a course. You know, there's, there's lots and lots of, you know, within five years, if you go to the creature art teacher, you know, our, our goal is to have, you know, everything you can think of that you would get in college, you'd be able to get on the, on the site. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It's a goal. It I is a goal. <laughs> Well, how, I mean, it's, it's impressive right now. And I know that you haven't been doing it for that long. Right. How, when did you set up the site to, and start well, putting we up? Started, we actually started the site about two years ago, but yeah. we haven't, we haven't gotten serious. It's in the last year that we've gotten serious about, you know, getting the courses out. So, you know, we've got four courses on there now, plus my Photoshop brushes. I designed Photoshop brushes and that's kind of a, a little staple that we put in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, eventually and the other thing too is you know I, I storyboard but i'm not great at storyboarding i'm not the best guy mm -hmm. and so one of the things we want to do is we're gonna you know i'm gonna find someone that i admire that i think is a great storyboard artist and i'll bring them in to do the course yeah. you know so we want to get the right people to right, teach the right disciplines i want to make sure like i said earlier i want i want the buyer to get the top quality and get more than they expect yeah you make me want to learn how to draw. <laughs> Anybody can draw. No, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think it's true. I think it's true. I always tell people that. <laughs> my daughter is the artist in my family, not me. <laughs> great. How old is she? She's only seven, but she's really good. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Like she, she comes home and she'll just sit down and draw, draw something or paint something. And it's like, I'm genuinely impressed. And it's not just because she's my daughter. And I'm like, I don't know where you got this from because it's certainly that's not. Fantastic. She just sees. And that's all it is. Drawing yeah. is learning how to see and then translate it through your hand. Oh my goodness. I've yeah. tried. It's, it's not, it's not, not coming to me. Uh, Take some art courses, Jamie. I, I, I will. I will do that. <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. I have. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having thank me on. So and uh, you know, anytime if you 
down the road, if you need anything else, let me know because I love this kind of stuff. That's great. That's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Almost forgot our show name there for a second. What? I'm one of those guys. <laughs> the Great Big uh, Bold Podcast. It, we mean so little to you. Is that what <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. That's totally it. Something I was thinking about during one of his stories is I know he kind of, he sounded like he kind of played it off like you know everybody everybody just got hired and we started at Disney. I mean they took the top nine students in the United States yeah. for that. That's, I, don't, I think there was probably a little bit of competition. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it was funny because I can't remember it. And this is awful for me to say, I can't remember if it was Tony or Tom who told this story, but they were saying, you know, at the time, just getting pulled into that program was not a guarantee of a job. So right. I don't even think not all of them got offered a job. Now the three of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point they had to reapply for something else. And I remember um, it must've been Tony because Tony eventually went out to California. Right. He was saying that, you know, there were three positions available out of California and only one in Florida. So mm-hmm. he thought that he would be, there was, it was a little better chance of going out to California. So right. yeah, something that gets lost. And when they tell these stories is like, Oh, I just, it, it was my option out of school. They were the first ones to come to me and I just fell in and I started working with Glenn Keane and for them, it's very <laughs> natural, you know, and it's right. looking back on their careers. It probably did seem like they just fell into it. Right. But um, they had to be on that talent level to begin with. Like exactly. Like he it's had not, to be yeah. up there. Right. Disney has not yet come calling to me. <laughs> Um, and saying, hey, do you want a job? And, you know, we're going to pair you up with, um, I don't know, somebody remarkable <laughs> who's working today. You know, yeah. so <laughs> that doesn't happen unless you're already amazing. Well, they have me shadowing Robert Downing Jr. to take oh, over okay. Iron Man. So, they do. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to play young Iron Man. So, you know. Young Iron Man. I like it. <laughs> In the prequel? Yeah. <laughs> so watch out for that. <laughs> Our- Canadian Iron Man prequel. I <laughs> yes, love it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, guys, so if you want to check us out on Facebook, we are at the GBB Podcast, same as Twitter, at the GBB Podcast, and you can find us every week, and I just want to say thank you so much for subscribing, and we try not to miss an episode. I don't think we have. Have we ever missed a week? I don't think so. No, so, we've never missed a week. You can count on reliability. That's not. A, that's, that's, a, that's a rare thing in the podcasting world. I will it say It is. <laughs> We're on year two, and that's something there's there's... There's a lot to be said there. If it's not the, the day of, it's like hours after. <laughs> That's yeah. I don't know if people really know what day we come out, but we're every week. Exactly. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday we are days, once people. a week. You will find our podcast. All right, guys. We will see you next week. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. Have a good one. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdads.